Hello everyone and welcome to Alchemy in Minutes. I'm Chantal and I'm the Executive Director of the Institute for Applied Alchemy. I am an industrial psychologist by trade and a shaman by birth. Now what does that mean? When people hear that it means that I have an ability to feel and sense pain I have an ability to feel and sense uh, the deepest joy um, and I work with individuals that one would call outliers, the people that don't fit, the people that uh, live outside of their tribe, people that live outside of the protection of society. Um, those that pioneer, that have something inside of them, I call it a sacred contract, something inside of them that says that there is more to them. But somehow they weren't born with a script. They didn't come with a manual and they have to forge a way, identify a way, find things inside themselves that says there is a way. And so the people that I work with are people that are fighting for their lives. Uh, they could dress it up in any which way. You know, they can come in their fancy car. They can have a very big bank account. They can have multiple businesses. They can have homes across the world. Um, you know that. You know what that looks like. You know, so you can dress it up in any which way. But on the inside, there is something inside of them that says they know what it feels like to be on their knees. And what is my definition in terms of what I've seen with the people that I work with? What does on your knees look like? It looks like that calling to the dark where you don't know if there's another voice that's going to come back. It looks like the part of yourself that says, maybe you should give this up. It looks like the part of yourself that says, you've got no clue as to what you're doing. But something else inside of you drives you, you know, so you wish that you could stop. But there's something else that says, it's bigger than you. And so the bigger than you people are the ones that we're going to be interviewing. The people that know and don't know. The people that have bloody knees and scraped knuckles, but continue. And so maybe you are able to identify, relate to what I'm saying. Maybe there's a part of you that says, oh my goodness, is there a language for this? Do people really speak about this? And that you start understanding that it's not just something that was in your head. And you also start understanding that your isolation has a place. And that your isolation serves you in a particular way. So um, the conversations that we're going to be having, you know, when we're sitting with individuals or organizations, the CEO, the MD, the decision maker usually says... How long is this going to take? 
Sounds like deep work. Oh my goodness, is this therapy? And my answer to them always is, it's alchemy in minutes. It's the thing inside of yourself that says, once you know how to reconstruct the pain, once you know how to unearth the things that you're needing to unearth, the puzzle fits. And when the puzzle fits, there's a level of potential that is exuded, either from your organization or from the individual or from the leader. But that level of potential is unleashed and once it's unleashed, it can never be put back into the bottle. So the magic is carried throughout. So I'd like to introduce you to our guest. Her name is Wissal Abrams. And her name in Arabic means love. This is something that she's had to grapple with her entire life. One would think that, wow, that's amazing. And um, who wouldn't want that? But you see, on the end of the other spectrum of love is despair. And so what that means is that Wissal has had to know both ends of that spectrum. She's had to journey and scrape and crawl, not knowing whether she's going to come out on the other side. Wissal has done some intensive work, inner work. We call it inner scaffolding. She's done some intensive work, and as an outcome of her intensive work, she's been able to develop, design, conceptualize, birth, implement what she calls the school of pressure. Within the school of pressure, she holds the role of alchemist and coach. Now, those are two big words, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means to her. So she's an individual that lives outside of the system. And when someone lives outside of the system, it means that you don't hold the protection of the system. So what that means is that she's completely exposed. And what we'll talk a little bit about today is how does she manage that exposure? How does she manage the vulnerability of that? And then in addition to that, we sell as the creative director of Pink Rock Media. So she's not only taken what lives on the inside of her, but she's also, she's committed to creating a vision that says her inner world can be expressed outwardly. So welcome, we sell. Chantal, thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. I'm, I'm so happy to be sitting across the table from you. Same. <laughs> I'm like thrilled. Yeah, yeah. Wissal, could you possibly take the listener into your inner labyrinth? Wow. So I actually had this conversation with someone on the weekend and about my home and how not everyone is comfortable in my home mm. um, because my home looks like the inside of my mind, right? So... Everything is everywhere. There's a chaos to things. And there are multiple surfaces with multiple things happening on those surfaces at all times. Um, there's also a lot of color. There's a lot of papers with a lot of writing on it, laying in different places. Um, there's art. There are toys. Like I've got a drum set. I've got surfboard. I've got 
um, a mat where I can stretch and play. I've got a boxing bag. So at any time, there is a place for me to express myself. And the labyrinth of my world, of my being, is somehow the easiest to describe, but it's like my home, mm. you know, where I feel like at a finger, at, at, at an arm's length, I must be able to touch a place where I can be creative. When I am able to be creative, or when there is an arena for me to be creative, that is when my inner labyrinth, that is when the electricity goes on. So that's when everything becomes alive. The opposite of that, when I'm not creative in that labyrinth, is when there's no electricity, it's load shedding, right? So it's dark, um, things that have life are dead, you know? And if we think about the seasons, for example, it's, it's autumn, things are dying, it's going into winter. It looks and feels like hopelessness and death. But living in that space and knowing that the labyrinth can light up again and what happens in the labyrinth when it's summertime is where, just between those two places. So transitioning from that place is where the magic happens for me because I can't fully enjoy that summertime without knowing how mm. crap the winter time is. So often I find that my best ideas and my, my happiest moments and the places where I feel joy come from, transitioning. So when the lights come on, not necessarily when the lights are burning all the time, because that I find I also have to create stamina for, maintaining that electricity all the time. Do you have a sense, is there a phasing in that transition space? Like how do you keep yourself sane when you're in that transition phase? You know, Do you have a process that you go into that says, ah, oh, I know this place, this is where I am, and I can hold, I can be steadfast in it. I don't have to take myself out of the equation. Do you have a, a process that you work within yourself that you're able to identify and say, oh, I'm in my transition? So it's when I, I write poetry, and if the poetry comes out of me, when it starts flowing out of me, that's when I know I'm in a very deep reflective place and that's when I'm transitioning so things the way I look at the world and the way I'm experiencing everyday moments and it will come out through poetry so it will trickle out mm. and and when I see it on a piece of paper sometimes I'm shocked you know I'm mm. like oh I wrote mm. this you know I'll find a piece of paper on my desk you know one of my many surfaces where things are happening um and I'll and I'll look at the poem and I'll go okay this is what this is what's going on right now mm. this is what's happening so sometimes the conversation with myself isn't happening in real time. Mm. It has to come out in a in a concise, poetic way for me to look back at it. And my friends will often laugh and tell me that, you know, I don't share my poetry enough. I don't but it's funny because it feels as if someone inside of me is writing it for me. Mm. You know? So mm. I feel like I am sharing it because I, I feel like it's for me. <laughs> you know, mm. my poet's writing for me mm. to say, hey, this is what's going on. And then I use that as this okay. So mm. this mm. is how I know what's happening on the inside. So I'm hearing that you have an inner lens and an external lens. Yeah. Yeah. So on the inside, you have a court of support. Yes. You know, so your poet could be your court of support that yes. says you may not necessarily rationally, intellectually understand what's going on or where you are in the process, but there's a court of support on the inside that says, let me write this for you. 
let me give you words for this so that the emotions and the thinking can then start lining up. That's exactly what happens. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, they bring forward the document. Mm. Okay. And I stamp and approve and I say, mm. yeah, because I'm always, I mean, it, it sounds strange, but I'm always moved by what I write. Mm. I'm moved, you know, mm. and that's what kind of my counter to my friends. It's like, but I, I like it. You know, mm. I'm enjoying it. Mm. I'm, I'm taking it for what it's meaning. So mm. it doesn't matter if I never publish a book, you know, mm. for me, it's like, the poetry is to move me mm. so it's almost like i create a potion and i drink it mm. and then i'm and then i'm good mm. Mm. Yeah. so there's a level of congruence that starts emerging for you you know so part of what you're speaking about as the alchemist is that you're not necessarily going to you're not going to develop a potion that you're not prepared to drink. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's okay. actually even quite daunting to sell the potions. Yeah. You know, yeah. so when I think of writing a poetry book, I always get a bit nervous. Yeah. Because I'm like, is this potion still relevant? Yeah. You know, this potion was for something that happened in 2014, mm. you know. I read it now. I know the medicine worked. I can see, I can track my life. I can say, okay, that medicine worked for me. But if I give this potion to someone now, mm. will it still be... You know, mm. will it still be right mm. for this time? Will it still be so? I think the fear mm. that comes from releasing the the medicine mm. um, stems from not knowing if it will take. You know, what mm. will happen? And I think, yeah, that just sits in fear for mm. me. I, I'm fearful around that. Mm, 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 mm. So, would you say when you speak like this, right? <laughs> When you speak about the medicine and the potion and you, you could, you're able to track your life and you saw that the medicine worked, do you get strange glances? Do people look at you and go, oh, let me walk in the opposite direction yeah. or let me pretend that I didn't hear her saying that? Do you find that that happens for you? Yeah, most people think I'm totally tatty. <laughs> <laughs> tatty means crazy yes. in Cape Town. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, so people either completely love me mm. or think I'm completely wonky bonky mm. that's that's the two that, that's kind of way you know mm. where it goes yeah and where do you mostly live I think mostly in wonky bonky <laughs> land <laughs> wonky bonky land yeah I'm very comfortable there yeah I'm comfortable with um like you said in your introduction out living outside of mm. you know the norm you know um mm. What I've had to learn now is how to stay centered there because I find that, you know, when I step into spaces where there is, there is a system, I can feel rattled, but also outside of the system, I'm also rattled. So they, you know, you, I'm, I'm learning now where I am in my journey to stay centered, whether I'm inside or outside. And that, that's, that's a task. Yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Absolutely. So part of this vulnerability that you speak about, what do you feel has prepared you for that? So you spoke about my name meaning love. And the, the full meaning is communion in love. So it's coming together in love. And I think what has prepared me just as, you know, despair has taught me about love. And love has taught me about despair. Communion has also you know what communion has taught me or what has given me is also you know breaking apart mm. so coming together but then also the opposite of this is is, is mm. being separated mm. or being rejected or mm. you know being pushed away pushed out mm. um and 
I think what has prepared me in a sense for the vulnerability is in the face of rejection or in the face of being pushed away or breaking apart, something that feels so naturally like it should be together is not losing the love, mm. you know. Um, mm. Yeah, my yeah, my best friend always tell me like I've got the, I struggle to hold the grudge. Mm. I, f- I forget to hold the grudge, mm. you know. Um, and I always feel like that's one of my best traits, mm. you know. It's mm. like, it was yesterday, you know, let's, let's fall in love today, mm. you know. Um, so I think that has helped me because mm. I don't want anyone to be stuck there. Mm. You know, mm. I don't want anyone to be stuck in being broken apart because I know what that's like. Mm. So how I keep myself safe in the in these places, like you said, you know, the exposure is to come towards someone with my heart, you know. So this is my heart, you know. I'm going to give you my best smile. I'm going to give mm. you, you know, the softest place. And... If you hurt me or if you show me that you're scared, because that's often what happens mm. when people hurt people is when they're just scared, you mm. know. Um, I go, okay, don't be don't be scared. Don't be bang, you know. Mm. I'm also bang. <laughs> you mm. know? We're also scared. I'm also mm. scared, you know. And then we go from there and see where we can go together. So that's also always been my tactic when I feel fear, when I'm driving in a place that's a bit dangerous or, you know, as a woman alone, um, navigating the city. Um, as a filmmaker, I often have to go into places where, you know, it's... Um, people are desperate Mm. and so there's opportunities for for taking advantage of your vulnerability Mm. but i never go in there thinking that's gonna happen i always go in okay if i show my heart first they was gonna show me their heart and then we go from there and do you find that that happens most of the time there have been times when it hasn't happened and then i have to rely on something else Mm. yeah you know then i have to rely on my ability to manage the situation. And I think my life has taught me that I can manage the situation. So there's some sort of what you're speaking about, that inner court. Someone will come through and say, Nawi Dala, mm. what you must Dala, mm. you know, and that you, mm. you must do what you must do now, mm. you know. So mm. we start off like this. If that doesn't happen, then we go into another place, you mm. know. Um, but I think it's important to always have the opportunity to bring your best self and you have to you have to lead by example mm. with that kind of philosophy you can't ask someone to bring their best self if you come there with a knife you know mm. so it's like mm. it's about leading by example when it comes to this kind of this kind of mentality so you know the buzzword nowadays is vulnerability yes right in your experience, what what is your sense of what people are not understanding about what vulnerability entails? What I feel people are not understanding is that it's not so much about talking about your feelings, right? It's about speaking about how you push people into a corner first. So I can't be vulnerable telling you how I feel without telling you how I affect you with mm. my feelings mm. so it must start there mm. you know so i must say i am a bully i mm. think I've, i'm arrogant i'm a bully mm. so when i come at you like this it's because i think that i'm better than you and mm. i'm smarter than you mm. and i don't want to be like that and i don't want to make you feel small mm. you know but i'm these are the things that i'm coming with mm. you know and mm. so i i want to be better please allow me to be better will you forgive me for 
making you feel like this, you know, mm. because this is where it's coming from. Mm. So you can't talk about how you feel. You can't jump that step mm. and not own how you how you trick people. Mm. Trick means how you push them, mm. but push them with the intention of making them small. You know, so mm. you, you, I find that, you know, in media now when people talk about, they skip that step, you know, and often with like leaders, you know, they skip that step. Mm. Mm. So, and it's not to say that now you're going to be exposed and people are going to know you're a, you're a crap person mm. and, you know, people don't, they don't hang on to that part. Mm. And that's the crazy part about vulnerability. No one hangs on to that part, mm. you know, but the honorable thing to do is to go through there first. Mm. You can't skip that door because mm. then you're not being vulnerable. I think then it's manipulative. So you're talking about this rites of passage. That's the sense that I'm getting. You have to, you know, if there's a process to vulnerability, there has to be a rites of passage first. Exactly. And in order to go through the rites of passage, you have to knock on the door and you have to ask people to open the door. You know, so if you skip the rites of passage piece, you think that the door belongs to you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then it's just your lounge. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's your lounge door. Mm. Yeah. And you can go in and out of there. Yeah. And people will feel that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Of course. They will feel that because something will say to, something in their mind will say, this person is being sensitive now. This person is being soft. You know, I must give them that space. I must protect them mm. now. But... Five minutes later, the frequency goes back to where it was before. Mm. The reason why you wanted to be vulnerable in the first place was to change the frequency, mm. you know. Mm. And I feel like with vulnerability, another thing that needs to happen and the reason why we must do it is so that people know where you are prickly. So then after the vulnerable process that you're having with whoever, they must now know, oh, but she's a bully, mm. you know. So next time mm. they, they see a bullyish thing, they can say, you're doing the bully thing. Mm. And then you're like, oh, pff, my bad. You know, mm. let me backtrack, mm. you know. Mm. So then mm. it gives people also the space to call you out, mm. you know. Mm. And then for you to, you know, take us there back. Mm. And then we then we co-create a better environment. And that's why you wanted to be vulnerable in the first place. Mm. So you can't carry all of that on your own. Especially as a leader, you can't carry that on your own. Mm. And feel like, oh, every time now I must... Now I must bow to my people so they know I'm humble, you know. Mm. It's not about that. Mm. It's about showing to your people where you are dangerous and then giving them that information, you know, and saying to them that you want to be better. But you can't just want to be better. You must allow them the opportunity to say, remember the time you wanted to be better? You mm. must told me this and this and this. This is the, you're doing that thing again, you know, and then let them help you. Mm. And then you kind of, you make everything equal in the space again. And I, I, th I think that the things that you're speaking about, people don't talk about. You know, you're talking about the reciprocity of leadership, that leadership is not one directional, you know. So the picture that the world is painted around leaders is the leader leads from the front or the leader leads from behind. But the, the, di the vision is one directional. And part of what you're speaking about is that there's a there's a multifacetedness to leadership. Mm. There's a how do you look forward? There's a how do you take a step back? There's a how do you allow someone to to let you take a step back? What do you do with all of those things? So there's a complexity to leadership. Mm. And and what I'm hearing you speaking about is the agility that the individual has actually 
establishes the, 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 the extent and the congruence of their leadership, the ability that they have to take a step back, pause, listen to when someone says, you remember when you wanted to be better? This is what we discussed. This is what we thought we were going to do. This is what we looked at. You know, this is where you threw a tantrum. Yes. This is where you, you know, yeah. the ability that, the agility that the individual has to be able to to play in that playground actually establishes yourself as the, the caliber of leader that you can be. Exactly. Mm. Um, one of the quotes in my um, handbook, School of Pressure, says leadership is bringing your inner world outside for people to interact with. So there's like a privilege with having a vision, mm. you know, and it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like birthing a child. You mm. know, you have, you know, you're going to, you have this, you have this beautiful thing that's going to come into the world and then you get people to buy into this, mm. you know, and, and to support you and to walk with you while you're carrying this. But then your responsibility is to ensure that they understand what's happening on the inside for you. Mm. You know, so that you mm. can, like I said, you can be supported in the right way, mm. not in the not in the superficial way of I'm with you every day and mm. I carry your blighties to the meeting. Mm. And, you know, we don't mm. need that. You know, you need that. Of course, mm. you need that's very important also. But at the same time, you need people to go, you know, two weeks ago, mm. you said this and are you still there? Are mm. you still with us? Mm. You know, and I think that when you spoke about my name, that coming together, the mm. communion that's what I'm having to learn mm. is that it's not enough for me to have a vision. It's not enough for me to have an idea. Mm. I need to bring people into the idea mm. and not just so they can do tasks for me that, that seem menial in my mind, but so that they can help me to carry this thing to safety, you know? So mm. in my absence, people understand what I'm trying to do, mm -hmm. that something can live beyond the lifetime of someone's mind and still reach an impact humanity for the better mm. because I feel like we're always creating for our lifetime we're never thinking beyond our lifetime but I've been I've also fallen you know to the sword because it's it's, it's a kind of a selfish thing you don't want to include people because it means you have to love them and how do you love people if you don't even know how to you don't even know what love is mm. you don't even know how to share mm. the deepest parts of yourself or like you said the rites of passage you don't want to go through that door for the fear of rejection or just not wanting to share. Mm. I think that's important in reciprocity with leadership. Mm. Mm. How's this conversation been for you? I love that you're asking me questions about things I only think about alone. Mm. This, this is what excites me about life. Mm. These ideas and these topics. And I'm feeling very happy. Mm. <laughs> mm. So this thing about alchemy in minutes. You know, people are going to go, is this some... Um, Eerie fairy, blah, blah, blah. Is this, um, you know, must I change into something? Am I going to become a unicorn? <laughs> What's going to happen to me? What is your understanding of alchemy in minutes? It takes a split second to decide to do something different. You don't need time with anything right. Mm. You can make a better decision now. You don't need to wait longer than a minute mm. to make a different decision. And it also takes a split second or the speed of light to drop into your heart and to know what feels right. Because actually all of us know what's right and wrong. Mm. We actually do. Mm. But it's clouded by our pain. And so it takes a second to put that pain aside just for a second. 
and ask yourself, is this right? Is this wrong? Mm. And you can make the decision in minutes. Mm. 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 So if you were to thank yourself for something that you were surprised hearing yourself saying through this conversation, what would that be? I think I would thank myself <laughs> for saying that my potions work. That When that came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, you can't take that back now. <laughs> it's being recorded. <laughs> it's out. It's out now. <laughs> yeah, so that was, I, I probably needed that. The court's all clapping now. Everyone's yeah. just like, yeah. hooray, it took 28 years. <laughs> it's out. Mm. Yeah, mm. so the potions work. Mm. 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 And this is what I love about alchemy. No one is unaffected, you know, so as much as you would be going through your own process as you speak about this, I'm affected by what you're saying. That's the impact that you were speaking about. That's what alchemy does, you know. So the the way that I'm affected by what you're saying, when you're saying the potions work, you know, it's another way for me in my understanding of faith. Mm. It's that piece around what what do I need to pull on inside myself that says that whilst the evidence does not show and present itself, the potions work, you know? Um, and it doesn't matter how we want to frame that, speak that in different languages, uh, say it in different religions. The principle of it is that it works, you mm -hmm. know, that when we when we allow ourselves the space to say, it works, it works. I think that that's something that we're not taught how to do. Mm. You know, we're not taught how to stay in reverence to that, that it works. What, what, what you're making me think of now is a measuring system. Mm. So I think being an outlier, as you said, or a mm. pioneer, you, you don't have a measuring system to work against. Mm. So sometimes when you... Or in a destructive place in your labyrinth, mm. you can you can go into excess, mm. you know, because you, mm. no one's there's no measuring system. It's like, okay, I accumulated this now, so I must do that, you know. And, and then you like, it's a bit gaudy sometimes. Mm. You're like, wait, mm. that's a bit too much, mm. too much sugar, too much mm. money, too much, you know. Mm. Um, and then sometimes you do too little, and then you're mm. like, wow, I'm starving, you know. Mm. Like, why am I starving myself? You know what I'm saying? Um, and even with success or mm. with anything, you you don't know how to measure like. Did I hit the ball? Mm. Like, did, did I hit mm. the target? You know, you're not sure sometimes. Mm. Um, and I think it's important part of the development of every outlier and every pioneer, um, every mover and shaker to create their own measuring system. Because now I'm, I'm, I've, I don't say mine's completed, but I'm definitely starting that with myself and going, okay, you know what? I decide before the time. Mm. If I hit this, it's done, mm. you know? Mm. Then I know it's a safety mark. I'm not going to go overboard. Mm. I'm not going to go shopping. I'm not going to, you mm. know, that, then it's done. I've succeeded, you mm. know, and then I move on to my next idea. Mm. Um, I think that's important mm. to keep ourselves safe, mm. but more f from other people, you know, um, mm. so that we don't leak onto the world that's trying to be in balance. So I think, yeah, the measuring system is important for the outlier. Mm. I love that. I love that piece around the critical nature of that, you know, and, and if you're sitting outside of a system 
there's an assumption that one makes that you didn't download the measuring system too because you don't <laughs> fit in the system. Exactly. You know, so there's a, there's a blind spot around that. And, and part of what you're bringing us to become attentive to is that you actually have to establish a measuring system because you're outside of the system, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and that's such a... That's life-saving, mm. actually. Yeah. For the outlier. It's life saving for the pioneer. It could be that moment of sanity for themselves where they start understanding, oh my goodness, I actually need to establish a measuring system. I don't come with the privilege mm. of a measuring system. Right. Wow. Wissal, I've loved speaking to you. Thank you so much. And I feel that we created communion in love. And I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chantal. You can call me anytime. <laughs> to sit at the table. <laughs> yeah, so we can create alchemy in minutes.